So this is the uh, last day of this community retreat, formal retreat. And then the remainder of the winter retreat. The opportunities, different occasions. And that's where, you know, this reflectiveness to to bring into your consciousness the way it is, a community retreat. And then uh, when you're, say, left on your own, where there's no, you know, when it's uh, up to you, whether you sit, stand, walk, or lie down, watch your breath, or do anything at all. Important thing is to is to be the witness. This position of Puto knowing the Dhamma. Where it's so easy to operate always from the self view of my practice, my process, my life and so forth and and then the that you know is if one does that, then one always tends to take things in that very personal way. <coughs> See it always from Sakya Ditti, Tilabhata Bharamasa Vichikicha. So this sense of refuge is a is opportunity to to get outside the conventional realities, the assumptions, the the um, attitudes, opinions prejudices that one is conditioned with as in terms of seeing, of knowing uh, conditioned phenomena as Dhamma rather than as personal qualities or <coughs> referring to their to them as good, bad, right, wrong. So just reflecting that, you know, the Buddha, Puto, Tamo, Sanko, this is this is non-personal. It's intuitive. It's it's transcending. It's the perspective we have from awareness. So it's discerning, but it's not criticizing. It's not saying, it, you know, this is where the only possibility any of us have to uh, get out of the critical mind, which is always very divisive. If it's right, then the opposite's wrong, isn't it? If it's wrong, it should shouldn't be. We should get rid of it. If it's good, uh, if and if it's bad, so that these these uh, dualisms we tend to see them almost in, in fixed as if they're fixed absolute positions. We take sides with right, the good, the right the righteous, and that seems right, doesn't it? It's praiseworthy to take sides with the evil forces, the Al-Qaeda, the, the devil is, uh, you know, you're, you're going to hell for that. And see, so this is, this is all about uh, a sense of personality as if it were a, you know, kind of permanent condition and qualities of conditioned phenomena as if they were fixed in their in that quality per, uh, forever you know so something's right it's right all the time
something good is good all the time, forevermore. Where with intuitive awareness, you, you, you know, you're not, you're no longer being uh, bound to your thinking process. So the dualism can be seen. You can see right and wrong at the same moment. You know, it includes, it's not a divisive, it's not a division, it's, it's a oneness, a unitive ability that we have as seemingly separate individual people to, to recognize, realize unity. But the personality, as long as that's never challenged and operate, and you operate from that, then inevitably that's that's division already. You know, you if you believe that and operate from the assumption of I am this person, this body, my life, my practice, my way, my opinion, unquestioned, not reflected upon, then then the result will always be some form of discontentment, complaining, grumbling, wanting something you don't have, not wanting things to be the way they are. You can always imagine something better than what you have at the present. You know, so things, you know, any conditions, we could always assume or imagine something that would be better than, than what we have. And that's... Uh, you know, that's just uh, the thinking, dualistic mind. That's how language operates. But the Bhutto knowing the way it is means that we're not justifying or, you know, s saying the way it is is good or that it should be this way all the time, but it's the, it's the ability to reflect on this uh, experience, the reality of change because that's what we're experiencing. This uh, all-conditioned phenomena is impermanent. This is, this is the way it is. We're witnessing change. And so this, is, this witnessing change is not from a personal preference of whether change is good or bad, right or wrong, but it's like this. It's Dhamma. Otsapesankaranicca. So it's not judging conditioned phenomena uh, as somehow inferior because it's changing and unstable. That's what you do with your critical mind. You'll start dividing up. I'm for the unconditioned. I take refuge in the unconditioned. The conditioned is all just rubbish. That's still, you still, that's sakya ditti. That's not, that's not puto tamo at all. So in the words themselves, you have the unconditioned and the conditioned, then those are, they sound opposed to each other, don't they? Like good and bad. And that's, that's why to understand how language works, it's a limited function. And, and so when we just attach to concepts, ideas, and values, morals, uh, conventions, doctrines, dogmas, no matter how good they are, it's the attachment and ignorance and attachment that can create suffering for oneself and for 
the world around us. How many really hard and cruel things have been done in the name of righteousness? You know, in the name of purity or in the name of God, you know, to destroy evil. I mean, that this is, this is, a, this is the logic that comes from grasping the thinking mind. So then, on this uh, formal retreat, just emphasizing over and over again to how to transcend the thinking, the thought process, which is not an annihilation or a refusal to think, but recognizing this natural state of awareness, which before, you know, when, when, where you can have some perspective on how you think and how thinking operates. Well, this is very important because we are called uh, minutia. Mano means uh, like a thinking being. So we're a, a creature, a mammalian creature that thinks, and that, and then you can see that it c- we can think, we can do wonderful things with thought, or but oftentimes, if we have no perspective on it, we suffer. People that think all the time suffer a lot. That have no way of of getting outside the um, bound and limited to their thinking process. So when we talk about spiritual path or spiritual development, just trying to think out, you know, uh, is there a god or isn't there, or you know, which religion is the true one, and we're still thinking, aren't we? Whether we whatever we decide on that level, it's still, we're still caught in that divisive function of the mind. So then the awareness, mindfulness, sati sampachanya, satipanya, is the possibility that we all have (coughs) to transcend or get beyond or put into perspective the conditioned realm that was so strong and that we experienced continuously, relentlessly, for a lifetime. Like in, uh, with doubt, in monastic life, you know, it is, there's a lot of doubt arises in practice. How to practice? What technique should I use? Um... What should I do first? Uh, what the scripture says? What the teacher says? And then we, we get input because there's so much available now from all different sources of spiritual teachers and practitioners. And then, then you doubt about yourself as a person. You know, we can, can I do this? Am I pure enough? Am I ready for this? Do I have enough baramita, accumulated virtues, and and so forth? So then we we endlessly speculate, you know, about ourself or the, the religion or the teacher or the technique or whatever. Now using meditation techniques, uh, these are okay if you know what you're doing. But if it's if if a technique is merely reinforcing a sense of sakyaditi, then it you know it's not 
we we can begin to notice how even how we approach meditation can be um, you know reinforce this illusion of sakya ditti and that's why it, it's the first fetter of the ten fetters because it's the it tends to be the kind of thing that binds us to to suffering the basic delusion is i am the five khandas the five khandas are mine and the language we have reinforces that we've got all these pronouns i me mine and so forth and, and in you know these you know the whole uh, the whole society we live in operates on that illusion anyway you know the, it's a personality oriented society you know to to develop your individuality be a separate express your separateness your uniqueness your self-importance so sakya ditti then instead of just thinking it in terms of you know it's not meant to be a condemnation of sakya ditti but of recognizing it you know being the knower of sakya ditti rather than the one caught in the delusion of it so you know you can still have a personality and and that is not that's not you know one isn't trying to become kind of a zombie have no feelings and just totally kind of like a like a half dead creature but but its ability to know things as they are and sakya ditti then is something we can observe become an expert on sakya ditti but don't create a, a ditti around that either say i'm the world expert <laughs> on sakya ditti it's, a, it's kind of a one of these traps of the mind and that's why the only way you can get out of that is get outside the trap the catch-22 problem is through awareness the awareness of it like desire also dunhan to know you know, this, this is what we call reflecting the to know to really explore feel desire you know not, it's not trying to get rid of it but actually begin to fully feel it you know say this is desire this is bawadana this desire to get something or become something it's like this so you can you know not, not a matter of of uh, getting rid of it but of recognizing it so your you know your intuition is you're attuned to it you know it when it arises or or vipawadana you know, you're, you're investigating the way it is. It's not how it should be, according to ideals, but this is the way it is. All conditions are impermanent. All Dhamma is not self. It's anatta. And so those two sentences, those two reflective sentences, are not for grasping either. They're reminders. Because the world can be very convincing and and intimidating and imposing and uh, the society we live in and so forth is is that way you know so it's 
It's, it takes a strong determination not to be bowled over by it, endlessly kind of lost in the morass of our own thoughts, sakyaditi and delusions, because the society that we live in is like that. It's a silly society. Now, in the community life, of course, this, you know, the, that relating to others is always, you know, the catalyst for sakyaditi. We've got pride and views, and opinions, positions, uh, you know, to maintain and sustain, and we react, we react to uh, various things that people say or do. And so, in uh, you know, a monastic community like this, the point of it is, we're not trying to become politically correct community of. Uh, you know, just being incredibly nice according to some ideal, but actually using, you know, observing the love-hate, the like-dislike, approval-disapproval reactions, the pride, the conceit, the fears, the tensions that inevitably arise in living with, with others. So then it is nice to think of living alone or with a dog or a cat. I also thought I'd like to go and live in Pinmill Cottage and get a cat, get away from it all. I will arise and go now and go to inner sea <laughs> and a small cabin built there with clay and wattles made. <laughs> a kind of romantic longing for solitude. But in terms of um, <coughs> my own inside, I, it's, uh, rather than <coughs> doing what I feel like, I'd, I roll with the flow. Because uh, in my own past, every time I've tried to get, you know, set myself up with what I wanted, it turned against me, some great disappointment. So then I, I made this aditana, I'll just accept the flow, whatever life brings to me. <coughs> and that, I appreciate having done that because uh, you know, I haven't, I don't feel I've, I've manipulated or tried to control things for my own benefit. So then this, this uh, Sangha life is, is uh, you know, you keep learning from it because, you know, you, when your karma ripens, you think, you, you know, after 40 years, you, you know, you, you've worked out all your karma, but you've still got a body. You know, and, uh, and then when certain things happen, certain events occur, uh, you know, Sometimes wanted, sometimes unwanted, and and the, then this result vipaka karma arises, and the the ability to be more aware of it is that rather than as as self and just react to it. I think one of the you know the wanting the mo this monastery to be successful, 
you know, having having a longing for it to to develop and be of use and and establish Buddhist monasticism. Views like this I've seen, and how much suffering there is by attaching to those views. So more and more, I just trust in the flow rather than in ideals about what I in what I would like personally like to see. Whether Buddhist monasticism develops or falls apart or whatever is none of my business. You know, I don't I can't take responsibility for that. The thing that I am responsible for is um, you know, that I can be responsible for all the time is awareness. You know, so this is this is what I know I can do, and this is what I've de- you know this developing over forty years of Buddhist meditation is is learning to trust that, and this sense of cultivation of bhavana, un- you know, in whatever conditions that my I might be experiencing. So, you know, using with this ro- rolling with the flow attitude, then, because like Ajahn Chah was always uh, kind of encouraged us to, to contemplate the eight worldly dhammas. And this, you know, is uh, praise and blame, success, failure, happiness, suffering, um, good fortune, bad fortune. So you have four positive, you know. You have good fortune, uh, good position, you're praised and you're happy. And then they're opposites. These are called the uh, lokatam bat in time, meaning the eight worldly dhammas. Now this is worth reflecting on because, uh, you know, these are, and then the Attitude Lung Po Cha would emphasize would see both of equal value, good fortune, misfortune, praise and blame. So you're you know, you're you're not seeking just for the praise and the good fortune and happiness. Because that's what desire is. We want we want to be praised and liked and appreciated and and successful. And we don't want the opposite. But in terms of the rolling with the flow, isn't it? Then whatever happens, because, you know, th- things move and change according to so many other conditions we have no control over. So, pray, if it's praise, good, blame, good, success, good, failure, good, of equal value. Now, how can you see that as of equal value, like being praised or blamed? And that, of course, is this, uh, you know, on a personal level, you can't, because you dread, dread being blamed and long to be praised. But in terms of awareness, sati sampachanya, it's possible. Being blamed, being rejected is like this. Being praised and adored is like this. 
And I thought, what am I doing, you know? There's will, a will ability to to cultivate this awareness. So when, when people are uh, criticizing, um, abusing me, I can... I train myself to be aware of it, to feel it. When when I'm being praised and adored, I do the same thing. Awareness of the feeling that arises from from people's uh, adoration, and uh, then this helps me to bring attention just to to just the movement, the mood, mood, the, the moods of daily life of when I wake up in the morning of just. The kind of, you know routine life when nothing particularly uh, of the eight worldly dhammas is is happening when those extremes aren't happening where it's just ordinary daily routine because more and more you're you're finding your refuge in this puto tamo really uh, than, than in you know this the the desire ignorance and desire in which you're always Trying to, you know, there's always something you've got to get, something you've got to do, somewhere to go, got to leave, arrival, departure, schedules, important issues, relationships, political correctness, invitations to all kinds of conferences and and duties and responsibilities and so forth that are, you know, inevitably a part of human experience. So then in, in reflective awareness, you just take understanding, you know, how, you know, how the world is intimidating when you're in a position, you say, you're a teacher, an ajahn, and then you, you're responsible. No, what does that, what that, what does that feel like? And I'm a teacher now, I'm an ajahn, and I am responsible for teaching the Dhamma. And it can be going to Sakyaditi, can't it? If you're not careful and aware. I have to be responsible for, you know, I've got to set a good example for everybody. I'm, you know, this monk, senior monk, and I've got to my duty is to be an impeccable example. These kind of things. This is Sakyaditi again. You know, the, the kind of idealism and the way that, that the world intimidates us. Like somebody says, you are responsible. You have to take responsibility for yourself. How many of you heard that or used it against someone else? You know, I hear that a lot. Is that you must take responsibility for yourself. Now when I hear that, I think something obscene. Because <laughs> 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 it is a truism, you know, it is true. But it is coming from, you know, you know, some views and opinions and what do you mean responsibility, what do you mean by self? <clears throat> you know, so it, we think we, because we've got these words, that that uh, you know we really understand them, but uh, cultural conditioning is such that you know we brought up you know my background is that you've got to be take responsibility for yourself. So I mean that's a good you know it's a good ideal. It wasn't I'm not complaining about it, but that that sense of responsibility 
unquestioned from the Sakyaditi level always led to fear of, of being criticized for being irresponsible. So when anybody would say, you're not, you're, you're being irresponsible or you're not a good Ajahn because you're irresponsible, Ooh, that would bring up such uh, rage. Because, you know, just somebody saying that, would, you know, it's attacking me in a, in a very vulnerable place because I've never really, maybe I've never really examined what that meant. You know, as always, you know, the, the Sila Bhattabharamasa, cultural conditioning, you know, to be responsible for yourself. And when you're a teacher, you've got to be responsible, you know, take responsibility and perform your duties. That's all very true. But then, if always fr from the position of Sakyaditi, what is the result? One can get too responsible, become patronizing and 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 uh, a busybody. I'm responsible for everything in this monastery. I'm the abbot, so I have to butt into everything you do all the time. I've got to bug your rooms, the monks vihara, and have a station in my kuti, you know, where I can, the TV screen, see, see what they're doing. <laughs> and the nuns, See, not that get away with anything because I'm responsible. So then, this is this is tyranny, isn't it? Responsibility becomes t tyrannical, and I become inflated. My ego, you know, sakyaditi becomes, you know, I am the one that has to make everybody do what I think they should do. Well, that's an extreme, and you know that, and just thinking about that is. You know, God, I wouldn't. You know, I have no I even longing for such, for doing such a thing. <coughs> but yet, uh, sometimes in, you know, in in the sense of responsibility, coming from the cultural conditioning that I, my 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 social background, and the word responsibility, you know, if you don't if you don't understand how these affect your consciousness, then we are. We get. We get. You can. You can push us around. I can intimidate you. I can. You know. A good. You know. Like a demagogue or somebody that manipulates people knows. Can figure out where where I can really get you going. Where I can really get you under my control. Where I can manipulate you. Your weak points. You know. It was a kind of nasty evilness in learning how to manipulate others. Because we are, you know, we most human beings are subjected to I mean they're ignorant, they've not reflected on their lives. So they they you can intimidate and threaten, blackmail, manipulate all kinds of people to you know, even with the idea of helping them, that I know what's good for you. And maybe I do know what's good for you. But how I develop what's good for you is something else. If I know what's good for you, and then I kind of, you know, keep pestering and nagging and 
and attacking you, <laughs> you know, what are you going to, your reaction is you're just under attack. You know, you feel the the kind of patronizing sense of this man just is on my back, won't leave me alone. So, so you can't even appreciate what I'm saying, which might be very good. So if I say, you should be mindful, that's good advice. But if I keep nagging you, say, you're not mindful enough. You should be more mindful. You slam the door. You shouldn't do that. That's not the lack of mindfulness. You're just going to feel, you know, um, that I'm, you know, I'm bad news for your life. Leave me alone. We have to rebel against such people usually. And yet the advice is good. You should, you should, we should be mindful, every one of us. <laughs> That's not an issue, is it? Now, learning to, when, this is it's difficult to talk about, but trusting yourself, or this sense of trust, or in Pali words as sada, this, this, uh, which is translated usually as faith. But the sada is a very wholesome state, you know, that, that, that uh, is the partner to wisdom. And this sada then is, is like a, a trust and a confidence. Like trusting and confident in this awareness. Now, the reason why I can speak so confidently is because I trust this awareness, having cultivated it and explored it, investigated it for many years now. So in the monastic life, the, the vicissitudes of monasticism, the 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 ups and downs, the good times and the bad times. You know this; it, these do not obstruct mindfulness. It's an opportunity to be mindful, and especially when when things are going are going in a difficult way, a way you don't want, or you mis you feel misunderstood or unwanted, or things like this. This is, uh, you know, this is where I'm really, because this is where I'm I intimidated personally, where I feel, where, where I can easily, you can easily upset me. What I dread the most. And uh, that, you know, so that knowing that about myself, when, when people get aggressive to me or talk back, or start criticizing or making fun of me, then this, you know, this is where I tend to to get carried away with reactivity. So in determining that, I've recognizing this, I train myself to when these op op opportunities occur, somebody's angry with me in a shouting at me, I I try to use that occasion to be aware of my what's going on inside me. So many of you remember years ago we had a, a Samanera and, and it's a, a morning meeting in the sala who was really angry with me and started telling me off and uh, in front of everybody, you know, and he started, you know, saying you know, accusing me of all kinds of terrible things. 
And so I, I thought, this is a good opportunity to... So I just listened. But I was listening to the sound of silence in this spaciousness where, you know, I you certainly felt it. And, you know, I could feel anger arising in myself. But my refuge was in the awareness, not in trying to control anger or whatever, but just by by recognizing it, I didn't, you know, I didn't act on it or speak on it. Well, that was an extreme case, you know, where somebody made a scene in public, and I think that's the way, you know, you dread scenes like that, at least I do. You know, you feel, you know, you don't like to have these quarrels and nasty things happen in public, especially. But it's still, you know, if that's what happens, that's the that's the 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 flow of life, then it's still not an obstruction to awareness. So seeing, you know, seeing this as, uh, uh, you know, the the way things move and change. Because this, the stable, the stability is in the awareness. This is what, you know, what we call a still point. The eye of the storm, or the, the sense of, you know, the the... That which is, you you know, doesn't move and change. Is this a, you you recognize this through awareness? This is like the the center point, the still point of the turning world, the eye of the storm. And so that that is that needs to be recognized because you can't recognize it if you're out on the wheel, like a turning wheel, isn't it? If the further you get out on the wheel then the, the the movement is is even stronger but as you move toward the center to the still point you know then that still point is the refuge and that still point then is the awareness that's the that's the way we can 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 re, uh observe and recognize the unconditioned or the deathless or the still point. It's this. So now, it's right now, I'm, I can recognize this. I know this because I've, I've cultivated it. Meaning I've kept reminding myself over and over, no matter what's happening to me or to the community or the world around me. The refuge is always in this. And then the relationship to the changing conditions is is from there rather than just uh, reactivity, being praised, you know, and needing praise from others and and fearing blame. So that's a personality like that. And personally, I need praise and appreciation. I need to respect and love. And what I dread is being uh, rejected being criticized, unloved, disrespected, and so forth. That's the Sakya Ditti. So, knowing that, and what is Sakya Ditti then? That which is aware, is that you're, you're, this is the still point again, back in, resting in the still point, you can be aware of the Sakya Ditti. So somebody says, you're absolutely fantastic and you're aware if Sakya Ditti arises, uh, you know, the, 
the sense of, you know, people really love me, I'm an important person feeling. Or if somebody says, you're a total failure, you're a phony, you know what you're talking about, you're selfish slob. And then I can say, you know, if I'm in the still point, then I still feel it. And the anger or resentment that my, that arises, but it's seen from the still point, so it's it's not not grasped, you know. So you this this still point is a constant in the in the changing uh, conditions. So when we talk about refuge, that's what it is. It it can be it's the only possibility that we have <coughs> for refuge, real refuge, not just a a temporary shelter that that you know that can easily be destroyed by stronger conditions this is you know this is a a refuge that that will never let us down no matter what happens so when we talk about refuge then you know bhutang tamang sankang these words, these Pali words, are always reminding me of that. This is the refuge. Bhutang Saranangachami. That's a nice thing to be able to say. Bhutang Saranangachami. If you're going to use your voice, or thought, think something like that. But the, the thing is not to grasp it. You know, like Buddha, the Buddha out in the universe. Or, you know, you can abstract it. The Buddha of nature. The Buddha energy in the universe is my refuge. And you can, you know, I hear people doing that, you know. These kind of, these crazies that talk about the Buddha, the Buddhas in, uh, in the universe out there. And, and uh, but that, to me, is another, another delusion. Maybe a nice delusion, you know. It's not a bad delusion, but... When the, when I think when I chant Bhutang Sarnangachami, it's this this awareness. This is this is a refuge, where where being, you know, under attack or being the, you know, in the flow of life with its changing conditions that I have no control over. It's the the one point where I can bear with whatever happens that takes away the fear. If I, if I don't, if I forget this, then I become frightened if things are going in, in ways that, that I feel threatened. I feel threatened by certain changes. And then I can get, you know, feel, get caught up in that mood. But because of this sense of refuge, then even if I should feel threatened by conditions, I know better than to follow that feeling. So by recognizing the still point, which is just awakened attention in the present, then this then the, the emotional reactions, you know, are witness, they're changing. It's a way to like to resolve karmic tendencies. Because as you understand it more and more and appreciate it, then you're, you're not, you know, you're, you realize there's really nothing to fear. 
And you can, you know, you you can put it to the test. In daily life, just a routine monastic life gets boring, being bored. You know, another day at Amravati, monastic routine, Padi Mocha every fortnight. And uh, one pra, and uh, on, on. We can get into negativity and boredom and, you know, aversion to just uh, the ordinariness of monastic life, even when it's nothing, nothing dramatic or traumatic is happening. But boredom is also, you know, condition that is can be seen from this still point. Boredom and restlessness. Being fed up, you know, this is, you know, we can get into a kind of, I don't like the people here. I don't want to live with these people. That kind of attitude. And being aware of that. So, I mean, it, it applies to everything that we think or feel. Not to be able to no longer be just uh, kind of helpless victims of of those of our emotions and feelings, to be fully committed and believing in the, in that feeling in the present, because feelings are very changeable. Thinking of myself, sometimes like at Patti Mocha, you look out at the bhikkhus and you feel so inspired. You know all these these monks, uh, celibate monks, and it's vinaya and this commitment to the holy life, and I think these are wonderful, you know, spend your life with such such wonderful monks. And then later on I can feel, oh God, fed up with them. <laughs> Pain in the neck. <laughs> so what's changing, you know, one moment inspired, next moment, you know, critical and negative. Is that a trust? Do I trust any of that? You know, am I going to demand to be inspired that that you know that you know we if we if we had party moke every day would I still have the same inspiration? <laughs> I get oh these these monks are hung up on reciting this 227 rules every day. Fed up with it. <laughs> So the one, the, the still point then is the only way out. And so the the boredom, the negativity or the inspiration is is received. And it, nothing, I'm not trying to change it. I'm not trying to get rid of boredom or, or try to make myself inspired all the time. But being the knowing, the knower of or condition when it's like this, inspiration is change, boredom is change, that which is aware of change is the refuge.